Hey, 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 it's me, Katie here. Grab a notebook, add a cuppa, and join me in the Sociology Staff Room. Hello, and welcome to the Sociology Staff Room. I've got two great guests with us today to talk about feminism. We've got Aaron and Axa, uh, both sociology teachers. Um, Aaron's been a sociology teacher now for three years and Axe has been a sociology teacher for eight years, is that right? And half that time head of department, which is amazing. So great wealth of experience between us. Um, first of all, thank you for spending some of your time today with me. Thank you for having yeah, us. Thank you for having us, yeah. Oh, excellent. So we've got an exciting topic, it's feminism. And exciting for lots of different ways, I think. One, because the sort of breadth of which feminism can cover. And I think that's really important. Also, I suppose for sociology, it's so important that we are talking about, you know, feminism and sort of just what's going on in the world today. And not so long ago was International Women's Day. So I think that's really important. So really sort of unpicking your head and your heads together, my head, we're just gonna discuss it and just start thinking about what we think about feminism um, and how we bring that to our students to make it alive for them. So first of all, I suppose I just want to sort of launch in and start thinking about feminism in regards to, well, what point, um, I'll, I'll start with you maybe, Aaron, what point in the sort of academic year do you do you launch in with feminism? Is it something you start in with the beginning? Or is it something you do a little bit later? Do you just introduce feminism generally and then start bringing in the sort of different types of feminism? Just interested in that first, because I think for some students, I know for the students that I've taught, sometimes it's a bit overwhelming because they think they know what feminism is. And then you're like, yeah. ah, there's, you know, there's these this range of feminism. Um, how do you go about sort of teaching that and introducing the waves of feminism? So all students come in with a sort of preconceived notion of what they believe feminism is. Um, and then we sort of drill down at the very beginning about feminism in its very crux is about the idea of male and female equality. Um, so that, that they always come with that notion of that's what it means. And that they often, they often say quite a lot that it's synonymous with kind of like man-hating. They always say that that's synonymous with that when it actually isn't. The whole point about feminism is the idea of male and female equality. But there's different branches to feminism that they're not aware of. And we tend to introduce it quite early on in the year because the idea behind that is that feminism is actually quite concurrent with the other topics we do in sociology. So we do do families we do education um, we do at my institution we do beliefs in society and crime and deviance and feminism has a part in all of those topics so I think it's really good every just the, right at the beginning to lay down the sociological theories and where they fit in the parameters of the specification because they do crop up and it is something that they do need to know rather well because it's a theory that does make an appearance in all of the topics, as I've said. So we tend to introduce it quite early on, where we, we revisit it. And the, the, there's so many different branches, you know, there's Marxism, there's radical, there's liberal, and these are ones that they're not aware of. They're more in, attuned with the radical feminists rather than anything else, but we introduce it quite early on. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, the people that are listening won't see, uh, you know, I mean, nodding my head on this, but I know that Axe is doing exactly the same um, with regards to lots of students coming in and going, you know, is it synonymous with, with man-hating or might know a little bit about radical feminists, potentially if they've done history and they might know about liberal feminists, potentially, and the suffragette movement, but maybe it's just restricted to that. Um, out of interest, Axe, do you teach at the beginning as well and start introducing all those feminisms as, as well, the branches as, as Aaron suggested? 
Yeah, 100%. Um, I think, you know, whether it's the GCSE course or A-level course, um, like other sociology teachers, I like to start off with a small standalone unit, which introduces, you know, key concepts, but also the key theories. Um, And I think, like Aaron said, that it's important to do that at the start of the course, because then that creates the kind of creates a foundation of theory that then weaves nicely into the units that follow and you know whether that be education crime families and households you know where then the application of feminism is kind of studied in in more detail Um, and I think then it fits in quite nicely but yeah definitely um, at the beginning of the course um, especially I think when you have a bit you know you can get your create wanting to be creative and engage students um, into the subject then I like to be a bit creative and when I when I'm introducing the theories um, I do this through different mediums so for example for functionalism um, I like to show them you know various images that they can make inferences from and get you know, them thinking about how society works together for Marxism. And um, I showed them like a wordle of keywords and, um, you know, meaningful words associated with Marxism so they can start to unpick it. And then actually for feminism, um, I like to show them a mishmash of videos, if you like. And, I sh- and, and you spoke about the waves of feminism. And so within these videos, I show them kind of video clips, um, you know, from the suffragette movement, from... Um, protests from the 70s and um, you know the, um, the old um, a music clip of the old song I'm woman hear me roar for those who know the very old song and um, but then within that I also start to show them kind of more modern notions of feminism so I show them part of a music video Beyonce's music video in fact and um, called flawless and it's about Do you know, know I'll stop you there I feel like we are teaching the same lesson here because I'm oh, like, really? exactly the same thing I was like and I was like what if she's gonna say Beyonce flawless yeah because because that's something I think so many of the students have probably listened to but they've never really tuned in that actually it has a contribution from um, Chimima Munda Ngozi Adichie who actually references what what is feminism and I also show them a portion of Emma Watson's kind of United Nations speech (laughs) oh don't say you show that one (laughs) basically that is yeah, my lesson. That is it. You know, I actually do show something a bit controversial, though. I do show the, is it Cynthia Nixon? Um, okay. To, to be like a lady. I mean, it's very, I don't know if it's appropriate or not. But I yeah. Yeah, but it's it's on purpose. Be like a lady, I think it's called. Um, but I think, obviously, I put the context and, the you know, the boundaries around it and create debate. But, yes, I, I, I'm, I'm smiling and laughing because at the same time, in a good way, in a positive way, just because it's, that's just strange that that's exactly my lesson. Yeah, because I just think, you know, that I, don't, I think students don't recognise necessarily, the, you know, um, the kind of the relevancy of kind of feminism in this in this day and age. And I think for my students, that's kind of really sets out the tone nicely about, OK, well, where did feminism come from? What is it? And then, then it sparks some, like, I think, really interesting discussions and debates like, well, who can identify as a feminism is you know is Beyonce really a feminism and you know for example how has feminism has evolved and so I I think that's you know it's really important to do that at the start of the course and get you know their heads um clocking along so when those other units follow it kind of just fits nicely together yeah yeah yeah. I was gonna say to Aaron what do you I mean what do you do in, in order to introduce feminism at the beginning thank you for sharing that 
I haven't included Beyonce yet, but I think I might have to because <laughs> I, I have do quite a few students who are in who are very much Beyonce followers. I don't know if they get a name, but I think that would be more enticing to them because I think in this day and age with students, they need something that's pertinent to them. And I think with sociology being so contemporary and feminism probably being one of the most contemporary theories that we we teach them, I think. In dropping things like Beyonce and Emma Watson and didn't, didn't, didn't Emma, Emma Watson do a, a For She campaign or something like that? Yeah. Was that correct? Mm. Yeah. So I, I do include that in the, my, uh, the, what I teach them and things, but Beyonce I hadn't thought about, but I think I will do from now on. Give it a Google flawless with the yeah, lyrics. I will do. Yeah. yeah. They'll, they'll love it because they love Beyonce. <laughs> I think, I think um, as we've mentioned, they notion that you know our feminists are man haters but also that you know they're all um kind of you know crazy women taking to the streets and you know and I, th I think the issue is when students start the course they just paint kind of all feminists with one brush and um, so I think it is quite um important to address early on that okay yeah well you know there are these feminists who historically um you know have tested in really provocative ways and you know um, some of those might lead to you know political lesbianism in some cases but well on the other hand of the spectrum there are far more liberal feminists that hold a march of progress view they're actually very optimistic about the changes we've seen in society so far there's others that then focus on issues entwined with sexism and um, such as capitalism or racism and um, so I think it's just being really clear well there's not just one little you know category of feminists that people are kind of pigeonholed into there's such a great range of feminist opinions and as I think the course goes along then students may then come to recognize that well actually or, or I may I might even fit into one of these strands or I might agree with some of you know um these opinions um rather than it just being you know um a, fe a generalistic kind of feminist notion that you either are or you aren't Mm. And I, th I think sort of on that as well, sort of the importance of showing the branches is not all, but a few students may, and rightly so, because obviously it depends on what they've exposed to in regards to sort of media, and it, it's not that down to any sort of ignorance. Remember, again, there's only 16 to 18 years old, and obviously you've got GCSE students as well that are a lot younger. I don't know if you found that some of your students will be thinking that what is the relevance of feminism today mm -hmm. um, and questioning that if they especially if they've looked maybe at the suffragette movement i think um for some some students that might be a misconception that it's you know no longer relevant but then obviously if you introduce mm -hmm. the other strands or branches of feminism it, it shows obviously the relevance as well um obviously feminism potentially can be a sensitive issue um for for students um for lots of different reasons um have you found that yourself? Have you found that, the, you know, Amory, have you found that being, obviously you've got the misconceptions, but has anyone found that quite a sensitive topic to sort of, or theory to explore at all? I think in terms of feminism, it's probably one of the most welcome discussions when it comes to, to, to classrooms, because it's such a, it's such a pertinent and contemporary theory that is in society and i know it's one of the things that students see in the course book and that's something they they latch onto. so i really want to talk more about that because again like going back to the notion they've only ever heard it in terms of being synonymous with man hating and all that business and they've always thought of the idea that it's always it goes beyond that i don't think what they are accustomed to is the different strands of feminism that reside within it um sensitive issues that we do come across as things like so feminist interpretation of what domestic violence is about because i know that's a key topic 
topic in couples and families. And I, I think I do make it an important point to make that there's a disclaimer involved saying this is talking about domestic mm -hmm. violence, those mm -hmm. who are sensitive disposition. Um, you are, if you discuss it with me and we can have we can have an arrangement where you don't become witness that it's difficult because they obviously have to know about it because it's part of the specification but it's being aware of the sensitivities that might arise with the topics and domestic violence is just one of them so I think it's getting information across just in a more comforting way to just to make it available for everyone so in terms of feminism I'd say it's actually quite an open book discussion even for students nowadays, feminism is so important in terms of its part in society. But it tackles sensitive topics that I think need to be um, kind of dealt with in a, in a sensitive and comforting way to those that request. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the, the advantage I think with sociology is because we look through a lens. It sort of, in some ways, is still personal, but also it removes that it gives or well, it gives a little bit of distance as well for the students because you're not saying like i want your view or your view in the class necessarily initially you can put you know well, what does Ainsley say or whoever you're looking at within the family mm -hmm. union so it creates a little bit of distance for the students potentially have you as have you found at all any topics particularly sensitive as well or is it the same as aaron has said and if so how do you sort of address that yeah, so to kind of echo what Aaron said about, you know, topics such as, you know, domestic um, violence or whether you're looking at kind of sexual harassment within um, the education system, I think, you know, we have to kind of be realistic that these are issues that actually for some of our students are very real. Um, and like Aaron said, I think it's important to give kind of the disclaimer at the start of a session or a series of lessons that, you know, that sensitive things might be cropping up and um, should a student want to seek help or advice about this or you know want to even step out the lesson should they need you know what their options are depends um school by school um but you know just to kind of let them know what support is available and um, so for example in my school there is a team that supports with mental health that they can provide kind of counseling sessions or even emergency health um first aid if if need um, if the need arises um, and we also kind of um, incorporate a slide into our powerpoints and um, to kind of signpost students on where they can actually access further support whether it be in school or whether it's externally you know certain kind of advice lines things like child line should they need um, and want it so I think setting out support is really um, crucial but also I think it's you know sometimes just breaking things down for students and allowing them to have those discussions and providing that safe, I can think, structured space to have discussions um, and use up kind of, you know, parasociology teacher to mediate these, for example, you know, um, I just remember a couple of years ago um, with the death of Sebra Everard and, um, you know, there was certainly amongst our kind of, especially sixth form students, there was lots of discussions about um, this instance and, you know, students sharing opinions and, and some of them not really kind of welcomed opinions, some, you know, were misogynistic opinions. So as a school, we kind of had to swoop in there and then kind of create that time and space within certain lessons for students to discuss, okay, well, what happened here? What are their fears around it? And, um, you know, additional help and information and um, signposting, signposting, them signposting them sorry and um, to certain kind of um, 
additional information and I just think with sociology lessons and when that time and space isn't given to students to discuss certain issues that crop up with content that those conversations will happen whether we want them to or not and they'll spill outside the lesson so I think it's just creating those safe structured spaces within our lessons to discuss certain things so like recently my students wanted you know to discuss a little bit about okay well what is what does the male gaze look like within schools and you know how it could be relevant to them obviously you know um if a disclosure is made then we've got to you know be responsible and follow our safeguarding policies appropriately but you know just them to kind of share their opinions and um you know in a, in that safe space and and then mediate certain discussions and dis debates around kind of certain sensitive issues as well i'm glad you sort of highlighted that actually because i just think that you know, on one hand, and I think this is important for anyone that's listening that may be ECTs or maybe not a specialist in within sociology, I think we're so concerned getting through the specification and all the content mm -hmm. that actually that actually sometimes we have to allow flex, structured flex, as you said, sort of mm -hmm. structured, meaningful, mediated conversations to allow for certain discussions to happen. So obviously things will happen in real life that will directly have an impact on sociology and, and feminism particularly. So obviously you mentioned Sarah Everard, maybe more recently, I think there's been a couple of sort of locally and, and nationally walkouts from students due to sort of uh, responses around skirt length uh, and it's been sort of made aware in the news. And I think students, so sort of sometimes I don't know if you found this, but my, sometimes my students are like, oh, well, we are actually allowed to sort of explore this and discuss this. And I think sociology mm -hmm. and particularly feminism allows that lens to for it to happen mm -hmm. and navigate through. And sometimes, like you said, I think it's really important to allow that flex. And OK, it might be mm -hmm. 20, 30 minutes of your lesson that may not come up in exam, but there's an important element to that. Like you said, students feel safe to be able to explore it. And like you said, it would happen anyhow, irrespective of the lesson or not. So I think that's really, really important. And I think you both sort of shared the importance of that, which is, I think, yeah, definitely. And I think it comes into sort of my next sort of question around social media. Question then, hindrance or help? Because obviously I feel like, I don't know about you, but my students sometimes are coming in with more knowledge, in inverted commas, of feminism than, say, 10, 15 years ago. Um, they're already coming in with an idea of what male gaze is or or female gaze, um, they're already coming in with that narrative, which, you know, 10 years ago, they definitely wouldn't be able to be dealing with those abstract terms. Um, and so, you know, they'll talk about being written by a woman or being written by a female. And I think there's like, I'm not, I'm not on TikTok or anything like that, but it, they seem to be on there already. Um, and so I don't know, what do you think, Aaron? Hindrance or help, or is it something in between? I know I'm sort, of, I'm sort of putting it on you there, but what do you think? Well, I always think social media is kind of like a bit of a Pandora's box. I mean, you open it up and a whole river of different things appears and it has it's negative and positive at, at chances. But yet, to be brutally honest, at the end of the day, social media is an intricate part of the students' lives and you can't help but include it to some level, especially with sociology, as sociology is a contemporary subject. Social media is going to make its way in somehow. Um, and I have I don't personally follow TikTok, but I have students that live their life by it um, and in terms of feminism it was something I opened to discussion so I did talk to them about the idea of well have you been exposed to levels of feminism on TikTok and things like that because it's determined by what you follow is what videos they give you I believe I mean students educate me 
for that when it comes to TikTok. I'll be honest there. Um, but um, but yeah, that they tell me that there's been sort of, there's empowering women on TikTok that provide sort of inspiration for girls and for and for women, especially in terms of like employment. You know, we always do notions about breaking the glass ceiling and women accessing higher paid jobs and um, business women like uh, like Deborah Meaden and Suzanne Wojcicki, who is I think stepping down as CEO of YouTube. But these sort of people are seen to be empowering figures on social media. So I think in terms of feminism and social media, they sort of go hand in hand nowadays. And I think a level of that is introduced into the into the lefins. I think it's unavoidable to some level because social media is such an intricate part. I mean, it it has its massive benefits, social media, but it does have its hindrance, like most things do. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel like you're the same as me. Um, I, I don't, I'm not on it, but the students seem to educate me about things. And they said, oh, you'd really like this. I don't even know what they call, they call clips. I don't even know that's like, I don't, I don't, even, know I don't even know what it's called. And they said, oh, it really that demonstrates that theory or that concept that sometimes it feels quite abstract and then you can't actually find a clip. I always have this rule that if I can't find it in five minutes, then I'm not going to use it. That's just like my rule. Like if I can't find a clip that's trying to explain what I'm trying to say, but the students go, apparently it's all over. TikTok or wherever it is, and those reels are there uh, for them. Uh, and actually, yeah, they. I think you've, it's so part, it's so part of their lives. Um, what about self acts? What do you think if we get around social media? Um, I completely agree in the sense that uh, I'm I'm very old school. I can just about keep a, like a Facebook account alive and active. You know, I'm not on Instagram. I'm not on TikTok. Um, but, you know, it's not something, like Aaron said, it's not something we can hide from because, you know, all the students are accessing it, they engage in it. So we don't really get a choice whether it's brought, I, I feel, whether it's brought into the classroom or not. And um, whether it's a help or hindrance, it's, it's hard to say. I think sometimes students, you know, bring in kind of sources of information. Just some, something recently, like some of my students started discussing, I don't know if anyone knows of... Andrew Tate. Um, like an I was going to bring it up and I was like thinking yeah, I'm going to bring it excellent. up it could become controversial. Yeah, yeah. my attention, yeah. Just, you know, this ex kickboxing, I had no idea who he is and the, my, you know, some of my students started speaking about his social media posts, etc. and, you know, the sexist nature of them and then I was just like, who on earth is he? I went home to my husband because, you know, he's interested in martial arts, etc. I was like, do you know who Andrew, you know, Andrew, and he's like, oh yeah, he's that crazy guy. He's, so I'm, so then I've got to kind of contextualize like, okay, who is this person and, and what is he saying? And, and like, you know, so we, they, my students have kind of brought up, you know, his posts and we've spoken about, okay, what relevance it can have to sociology and, and how it might fit into certain kind of theories or ideas. But then, you know, it's not always wholly helpful and relevant, you know, like I wouldn't necessarily want a student, you know, referencing Andrew Tate posts again and again in essays but then equally that you know sometimes they've made reference to sources of information or images or videos that I'm like oh actually that's a really good you know real life example that you could you know um, apply to your essay and use an example um, so I think it's just one of those things you can't control everything students access um, but you can listen to what students you know um mention and you can kind of then help channel and filter well is this helpful is this beneficial um, and like you said there's lots of videos out there that actually do make sense of certain concepts and um theories that 
that actually can be helpful. So whether it's um, a help or a hindrance, I think it's a bit of a mixed bag. Um, or as Aaron called it, a Pandora's box. You've got to, <laughs> you know, you've you've got to pick and um, what is valuable and, and just what isn't, and help students. I think identify that as well. Mm, definitely, I find I find it shows their application skills. If anything else, so I mean, I think at the start of the course, they're referencing stuff and maybe don't necessarily have the the theoretical element to it and so they may be placing it with value or no value or not really understanding which theory applies to but I think once you've sort of taken the time out to to teach the theory I think the students are able as you said like that sort of time out to teach that out of the sort of the main specification I think it shows their application skills and they're like oh is this you know triple system feminism or how might feminists perceive this and then you can sort of have those sort of healthy debates and those healthy discussions again I think like you said in those uh, safe spaces um, are really important so my sort of last question for both of you is what is the importance of I think we've talked about it already but just to summarize is what's the importance of teaching uh, feminism like you know at the end of the day we've got to teach a lot of theories one of them being feminism what is the importance of that for our students um, I'll start with Aaron what's the, what's I'll put you on the spot there it's like for the students when you go to them <laughs> give me a key concept and they're like ah um, <laughs> but yeah um, what, what's the importance or what's the relevance of that for our students I think the I think the importance behind it is that it's a contemporary issue and it is an it's a contemporary notion that will exist for generations i mean i mean the, the, i asked this question only this morning is what can you see for the future of feminism for you folk for your generation and for future generation and it gets them thinking and I, and I said questions like will it still be about equality or will there be more brought to the table about male and female and where where it stands with employment and with um families and education and things so i think the I think the, the future of feminism is going to be pertinent more than ever. I mean, we still see, I mean, I think I read in a statistic the other day that in terms of industry, women are still paid 7.9% less than men for the same job. And when you see what that sort of thing going on in terms of uh, pay gap, the gender pay gap, it's still such a pertinent issue. I think it will continue on uh, in the future, but I think it's quite good to get notions from students of what they believe feminism is because then they pass that on and then it gets passed on and so forth so it'd be interesting to see um where it goes oh definitely i, I think it's an interesting one because i think my students were talking about that the other day because i got them to do a little bit of research for international women's day around that and they were saying that's just the overall figure which she stated but then obviously that gap widens based on ability gender yeah. Uh, sexuality gender and sexuality together how you identify yourself like whether it be non-binary um then obviously you've got adding to ethnicity social class and and so on and so on and I actually funny enough I asked my students the same question the other day and they said sort of if not already again on the world of TikTok um they're sort of really having those discussions around trans gender identity and, and sexuality and and that's where feminism is has already moved in the world of social media um so i'm sure that will also get reflected a little bit more in our own sort of sociology teaching i know it's in mine as well as sort of looking out for data for that particularly i think looking at data the other day on, on gen, uh, uh transsexuality and um and a trans a transgender identity sorry um and in regards to 
uh, crime statistics, uh, mm. and that's quite interesting to look at as well. So, lots within uh, within sociology and where that's moving. So, really important question, definitely. What about yourself, um, Axel? What where do you, what what's the importance of of sociology for you in, in regards to feminism? I just think, as you know, as sociology teachers, we're looking at kind of how also you know society has been kind of constructed and 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 our kind of experience of society why is it that we're you know um experiencing it in the way that we are so i think it you know we we cannot just um you know move kind of feminism to the side because it's just a huge part of you know the history of society and so for that reason because of history we have to look at it and we have to look at it you know for present day problems and issues and um, and also like you guys have discussed like the future of feminism and what that looks like and um, you know not just for necessarily a like, particular kind of a uh, pigeonhole you know group of women but you know um women different genders um, and males as well you know you know boys i think we often and, and I think students within the classroom as well, when they, we, they start, we start to teach feminism, they might feel, you know, start to feel excluded. Um, but actually, they're a huge part of the conversation because we need to look at, okay, well, what issues have women faced? What do they continue to face? But also, what are the issues that both, you know, kind of genders and multiple genders are experiencing as kind of society evolves? Um, so I think it, it's really pertinent to the study of sociology that um, we carry on um, exploring feminism and, and it hopefully it remains part of the specification. Yeah, it's interesting to hear that with the idea that when it comes to feminism, I mean, I don't know about um, with other folk, but my sociology is 90% female dominated in terms of students. It's a hugely female dominated mm. subject. But mm. when we talk about feminism, it's almost kind of seems that um, the male students take a back seat and mm. the, the females take what you could say the driver's seat and to me that's not right you know it should mm. be about both of them bringing their own interpretations and opinions to it because if mm. only the females are speaking the males take a back seat that's not what the discussion's about <laughs> it's about them both it's about both female male students um non-binary all students welcome to the discussion and that that I think is where the future of feminism is going to go in the idea that everyone mm. brings an idea and a discussion to the pool as it were because the more people take back seats rather than contributing to the discussion it's not going to get anywhere yeah I, I would yeah I would definitely agree because I, I think you guys have got a podcast coming up about um you know getting um, more boys in the sociology classroom which I'm really keen to hear about but actually when we get them in the classroom how do we you know make sure they they feel included and i think with feminism sometimes they can it can serve to you know maybe exclude them or they feel like they're the enemies in the room but you know going back to kind of the emma watson speeches that's why i like to show that one because actually she addresses the challenges of boys in accessing gender equality as well and act you know acknowledges feminism has evolved and that we just have to look at the experience of you know um you know both sexes including the struggles that males count and um, counterparts face as well and um, so i think yeah that's really important yeah i could literally talk about this forever because it just if there is so much multiple bits and i think like we i think it's uh, to sort of bring it all back together i think i actually think i feel so grateful for being able to be able to teach sociology because i think we've got a, like using both your ideas and sort of talking about this safe space to talk about 
gender and negotiated genders and and sort of and also to talk about feminism and, and the future of it so there's so much scope for that uh with and i think that's the important bit that it's through that lens i think that gives that sort of safety for sometimes students that it's not them putting themselves out there and they can they can use the vehicle of sociology to think about things i think it's sort of my own personal journey i think in some of these debates back when I first started teaching sociology, the students were already understanding, which is great. Like I said at the beginning, um, thinking about gender identity and sort of male gaze. For me, when I first came across that in my undergraduate degree, that was quite an abstract idea. Mm-hmm. And it just shows how fast forward society is moving and the sort of the role of feminism that students can come into the classroom and understand that already. Um, so thank you for your time thank you for your wisdom and your ideas and like your ideas around sort of like how you you you, you teach feminism within the classroom um uh, sounds like we've got a great sort of group of sociology teachers out there and, and thank you i know lots of people will be listening to this and thinking to self that that those are great ideas and i'd like to sort of borrow them as well it's you know sharing is caring so uh, thank you so no thank much. you for having thank you very me much. um yeah and obviously thank you to the listeners who tune in oh thank you so much and you take care and have a lovely evening a well-deserved evening a restful evening as well thank you katie yeah you too bye thank you bye Bye. the sociology stuff room is brought to you by tutor to you sociology find us at tutor to you.net forward slash sociology or follow us on twitter at tutor to you sock or instagram at tutor to you sock you can also join our very lively Facebook groups for sociology teachers. See you soon.